Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing this week's PGA Tour stop, the Charles Schwab Challenge 2023, which is one of the longer-running events on the PGA Tour schedule, and it's a great venue at Colonial Country Club. This is not an elevated event on the PGA Tour schedule this week, but it probably boasts one of the best fields of all the non-elevated events. The Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines was pretty good. The RBC Canadian Open here in a few weeks is probably going to be pretty good as well, but I do think that this field is really quality, and there's a lot of good golfers in and it should be a really fun golf tournament this week. Now, in this preview, we're going to break down the course itself. We're going to discuss DFS strategy, some bets, and discuss some one-and-done strategy all in under 30 minutes or less. But do not start your clocks just yet because before we get started on that preview, we got to talk about a few things. First, we are now on Underdog Fantasy. Um, I really... Hadn't tried Underdog until last week. A friend put me onto it, and it was a really successful week on there. We were really profitable doing player props and drafts, and I highly recommend everybody signing up on there if you have not already. Um, like drafting on there was just an absolute blast. I had a draft for the PGA where I snagged Scotty Scheffler in round one and Brooks Kepka in round two, and I feel like there's generally an edge to be had in drafting. Um, if you know who you want to target, you know the types of guys you want to target, and you kind of have a feeling for where you can get them at in drafts. Um, and I really, really did well in them last week just by picking the guys that I liked at the PGA Championship uh, and you know just trying to find ways to get them in my drafts. Anyway, if you want to sign up for Underdog, I have a promo code where everyone who uses it will have their first deposit matched on Underdog. The code is mconnelly88. It's from my personal account. It is in the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile um, if you want to see that code written out. Um, it's at Mike's Money Picks on Twitter. See the pinned code or the pinned tweet, which will have that code in there for you. Now, I will also be posting my Underdog Picks on Twitter and also in the Fantasy Corner Discord, which the link to that is in my Twitter bio as well. So um, lots of opportunities to get in the action on Underdog Fantasy starting this week. Now, also, other thing before we get started with the preview is we got to talk about the PGA Championship, right? Because that was just a great week of major championship golf. And in my opinion, it was one of the best weeks in recent memory of all of golf's four majors. Like last year's Open at St. Andrews was, was pretty doggone good. But really, I think that that and... This one, this PGA at Oak Hill, I think those are probably the D2 best majors in the last three calendar years, maybe even last four calendar years. Just like the Sunday here at Oak Hill, really all four days at Oak Hill, you had a lot of big names in action making great golf shots. You know, the leaderboard was constantly moving and the holes itself, the course itself was in great shape. The holes required a lot of strategy. You know, you could never really pencil in a birdie or a par anywhere. And there was just a lot of clutch moments in the PGA Championship, and it was an absolute blast to watch and just a great week of major championship golf. Now, there are a few takeaways as we look you know, forward to the end of this PGA Tour season and the end of this major season. First, I think I'm going to be leaning Scotty Scheffler over John Rahm, um, at least for the near future. Scotty Scheffler right now, to me, has the highest floor of any golfer on the planet right now. Uh, he really gave us three pretty good rounds at Oak Hill and just one crappy round on Saturday where he was kind of slip sliding all over the place with his footwork in the rain. Um, and honestly, if it doesn't rain on Saturday, Scotty Scheffler is probably holding the Wanamaker trophy, right? Like he just could not get it together on Saturday. And he wasn't even like great putting. Like when he's above average putting, he's 
probably going to win the golf tournament or at least come close to winning the golf tournament. And John Rahm, I just think he's not as well-rounded, not as consistent in just all aspects of his game as Scheffler is. However, I do think Rahm has the higher ceiling. Rahm has the ability to just absolutely go nuclear like he did at Augusta, like he did for one round in Mexico. And that kind of separates him from everybody else on the planet. I think Rahm's best is better than everyone else's best. But I do think for the near future, I'm leaning Scheffler over Rahman. DFS, betting, one and done, you name it. I'm kind of leaning Scheffler because of that floor that he gives you. Now, Rory McIlroy. You know, he's entering almost a decade now without a major championship win, and he kind of did what he does at majors all the time this past week, right? He just backdoored his way into another top 10 finish. And, you know, there was never really a chance or a moment where I thought Rory McIlroy was going to win the golf tournament. But there was also never really a moment where he was like totally out of the picture or like just a guy that they weren't showing on TV or weren't talking about. Like he was there, but he wasn't really like a key player. Um, and I kind of think that's what he's been doing at majors for the last few years now. It's kind of disappointing to see. Hopefully Rory can break that trend with one of the last two majors here in 2023. Now, Brooks Kepka is a guy that, you know, I've had a lot of discussions about the last few days because I consider myself a Brooks Kepka fan, right? And, you know, a lot of my friends ask me, they're like, you know, he's not kind of the guy you go for. You normally go for like the nice guys, the fun guys, um, and, you know, the non-live guys for that matter. But but you like Kepka. Like, why is that? And, you know, Kepka does come off as kind of an a-hole, right? Like, that's kind of his getup. But I enjoy Brooks Kepka, like the mythological character of what he does in major championships, right? Like, he's kind of like the Jimmy Butler of PGA Tour golf, of what Jimmy Butler is to the NBA. Just this guy that just, when the playoffs come, you know, he shows up, doesn't matter about the regular season, doesn't care, but when it's playoff time, the ball's in his hands, and he's just going to go crazy with it. Brooks Kepka's kind of that in majors, right? Like, he's just this guy that he really only gets up for playing golf four times a year, and when he does, he's just an absolute machine, and he is out there to destroy the competition. And he is one of the most clutch putters I have ever watched. Like, yesterday when he had a putt for par, like, you could just go ahead and, like, it was going in. Like, he just doesn't miss these clutch par putts where it would be a big turn if he did. You know, there were times where it's like, oh, boy, this could get really interesting if Kepka misses this. Nope. He's just so consistent, so steady. And, like, he's just like the ultimate major championship golfer, right? And, you know, it's weird. I think the PGA Tour, it's kind of a good thing for them that Brooks was the live golfer that won because I think myself, like a lot of the general public, doesn't really consider Brooks a live golfer, right? Like, he's a guy that he is now what he was when he was on the PGA Tour. He's a guy who is on my TV screen, um, you know, in my DFS lineups four times a year, the major championships. And now that he's on live, guess what? He's still on TV. He's still, you know, relevant four times a year for the major championships. And so I kind of think that, you know, it's not such a bad setup that it was for the PGA that it was Brooks that won because I don't think that a lot of people outwardly recognize, oh, yeah, Brooks, he's on live. He plays for, you know, Smash golf club like I, I don't really think that that's something that occurred at the forefront of people's mind and I think he joins elite elite company in the fact that he now has five major championships now the story of the week though was Michael Block PGA professional just an absolute Cinderella story especially with the hole in one on Sunday like it could not have been scripted any better for that and I was so happy for the guy that he was able to get up and down on 18 uh, and secure the invitation back next year for the PGA Championship, just a really cool story. Like, there's no other sport other than golf where you can just be 
kind of just this random guy and, you know, earn your way into this tournament and show up and play against the world's best and outplay them and be paired up with Rory McIlroy and kind of go shot for shot with Rory McIlroy over the course of a Sunday. Like there's just no other sport that's possible. Like the Carolina Panthers are not calling me like, Hey Mike, I heard you were pretty good at tight end in high school. You want to run this weekend? Like, no, like that's not happening. I would get flattened by Aaron Donald, but golf is just a sport where, you know, that's possible. And it's so cool that he, you know, these guys get the chance to play. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be in the event this week. More on that a little bit later. But just absolutely great feel-good story for the week. My only complaint was I feel like people are getting mad at the media for trying to shove this story down everybody's throat a little too much. Um, and, like, I get it. But, hey, the guy himself seems like a great guy. Don't know anything about him. But seems like a good guy to root for. Um, uh, you know, he's living, he's having the time of his life and just so happy for the guy that he gets to experience that in a way that golf is really the only sport where somebody can experience that. Now, lastly, from a DFS perspective at the PGA championship, the seven K chalk busted. Everybody was playing Rory McIlroy or not, sorry, not Rory McIlroy, <laughs> Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodland and Wyndham Clark. And they all three missed the cut. And really, Ricky was the only one that was even close. And so just it's kind of a reminder that like, you know, obviously the top name guys are going to be pretty high on. They're going to be pretty chalky. But generally speaking, chalk in the seven carry range is something that you're going to want to avoid. It created a situation where there were a lot of five for six lineups that cashed. I myself had a lot of minimum caches in GPP tournaments with five of six lineups with one of Clark or Woodland or Fowler. And it kind of like... I don't know, like I found ways to make my lineups different and not eat chalk on every slot in my lineup, but definitely playing those guys when they all miss the cut definitely hurt. Um, and I think it's just another lesson in playing DFS. Like, you know, sometimes chalk is good, sometimes it's not. And I think really when you're looking at guys in the 7K range in a PGA contest, that's probably chalk you're going to want to avoid. All right, so that does it for our introduction where we kind of recap the PGA. Um, we're going to go ahead and get into the preview for the Charles Schwab Challenge because this should be a fun golf tournament this week. So go ahead and get those clocks ready. You can put your 30 minutes on it. You will not find a more comprehensive preview of this golf tournament in 30 minutes or less. But before you start that timer, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. The Charles Schwab Challenge is hosted at Colonial Country Club, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. Two weeks ago, we were in the other side of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex uh, for TPC Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas. So this one here at Colonial Country Club is on the entire opposite side of the DFW Metroplex, but the PGA Tournament does host quite a few tournaments in Texas, and this is another one of them. Colonial Country Club is actually one of the longest-running host sites on the PGA Tour. It is a very classical design for just, you know, kind of any Parkland Country Club. It is a par 70 and it's going to play at about 7,200 yards. Now it gets to that 7,200 yards in a different way than most courses do. All of the par threes at Colonial are above 190 yards. They are some exceptionally long par threes and there's only two par fives on this course. Hole one is going to be reachable for the entire field and the other one is going to be not reachable for anyone in the field. So really if you consider that it's got above average length par threes and one significantly above average length par five, then 
the par fours are really below average length. And that's kind of how it looks when you look at the scorecard. A lot of the par fours are in the low 400 yards in between 400 and 450. So you're going to see a lot of approaches this week that are going to be from 100 to 150 yards. Um, you're not going to really see a whole lot of bombing and gouging this week. It's going to be a lot of short and controlled shots. Fairways here at this course are an average of 27 yards wide, which is the same as Oak Hill Country Club last week. And they are tree lined. The trees are going to cause more trouble if you miss the fairway than the rough or the bunkers. The rough is not very penal. The bunkers, you can still hit to the green, even if you're in, but the trees are what are going to give you trouble this week. There's a lot of dog legs, so there's a lot of shots where you're going to see guys lay up off the tee, or you're going to see the super aggressive guys try to cut the corner or try to get over or around trees. Um, so there can be a contrast in styles, but for the most part, a lot of short, narrow par fours where you're going to need a controlled tee shot and you're going to have a approach shot that's between 100 and 150 yards. The greens are small and pure bent grass greens. They are not super difficult to putt on, but guys who historically putt well tend to putt well at this event. I think it's with the smaller greens, you tend to get more makeable putts for guys who are good putters. So you do see some good performances from guys who are above average on the greens here at this event. Now, this tournament will not be a birdie fest, but it's not going to be super duper tough either. Uh, last year was probably one of the worst winning scores in a long time. Uh, Sam Burns was the winner last year, and he posted his number early on a Sunday, and the Texas wind kind of picked up in the afternoon, and Scotty Scheffler, who was in one of the final groups, kind of limped into the finish to tie him uh, and you know force a playoff, and Sam Burns hit a really clutch birdie putt that was from quite a distance. I don't know the exact number, but it was a long birdie putt to win this playoff uh, and beat Scotty Scheffler. But last year, I don't know if I would really totally go by that in terms of course history. Last year was the firmest and the fastest that this golf course has played pretty much ever because of the dry Texas winter and just kind of the conditions that it was played in. It was really, really firm and fast. Um, in 2021, Jason Kokrak won in more of a shootout, more typical, um, made Colonial Country Club conditions over Jordan Spieth. And then in 2020, Daniel Berger beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff. And that was actually the first event after the COVID restart. So the field in that event was like major championship caliber field. Uh, and so it was impressive that Berger and Morikawa were the two that made it to that playoff. Now, what to focus on this week for this course? Distance is not a prerequisite to winning. I mean, listen to the names you just heard, like Daniel Berger, Colin Morikawa, not long. Jason Kokrak, not super long. Sam Burns, not the longest, but he is above average. But like, you don't have to be long to win here, right? What you really want is you want to be elite with your short irons and wedges. You want to be able to hit a lot of greens because if you hit these small greens, you're going to give yourself makeable birdie putts. Honestly, to me, it seems like the perfect course fit for Colin. Morikawa, a guy who is not the longest, but he does hit it straight. A guy who is not great with long irons, but you get him into his middle short iron and wedges, and he is pretty good. He's, you know, not a great short gamer either, but if you're hitting the greens with your short irons and your wedges, you're not going to have too many chances where you're going to have to get up and down or too many long putts that you can really bleed strokes in three putt greens. So, I, like I said, I think it's a great course fit for Kyle Morikawa. Now, in terms of comp courses, Success at Colonial is pretty sticky. It's actually 11th out of all the courses on the PGA Tour in terms of repetitive history. So guys that play well at Colonial tend to continue to play well at Colonial. Now, I also think that success in the state of Texas carries over. So other courses that are in Texas, you've got Austin Country Club, home of the Match Play event. TPC San Antonio, home of the Valero Texas Open. TPC Craig Ranch, home of the AT&T Byron Nelson. Uh, and then Memorial Park, which is home of the Houston Open. So you got the Texas. 
Texas courses to go by also. But I also think there's a lot of other short positional tracks on the PGA Tour that seem to fit pretty well with what you're going to be looking at here at Colonial. Harbortown, home of the RBC Heritage, is one of those. Harbortown is a little more narrow, and I actually think it's a little bit tougher um, because of some of the hazards that come into play. Jordan Spieth has won both events. He's won here at Colonial. He's won at Harbortown. YLI is another one, home of the Sony Open. It's another par 70 that's very positional off the tee. Sedgefield, same way, another one, par 70. Um, but one that actually had a lot of crossover success was Copperhead Golf Course, home of the Valspar Championship. Uh, that one has been won by both Jordan Speed and Jason Kokrak, which is kind of ironic. Uh, Sam Burns has also won both events. So you just see a lot of crossover success there. Um, so if you're looking at comp courses this week, look at Texas. Look at Harbortown, YLI, Sedgefield, and Copperhead. All right, so now that we know what we're going to be looking for this week, let's take a look at the board and see if we can identify some golfers that need to be in our DFS lineups or need to be on our betting cards. But first, let's take a quick breather. Sitting at the top of the board this week on the DFS market, on the betting market, in draft boards, pretty much wherever, is going to be Scotty Scheffler. And he could be world number one with a win this week, and I could totally see it happen. I mean, I don't really need to say anything to sell you on playing Scotty Scheffler in any format, right? Like, I just think that everything lines up well for him. He has a win at Austin Country Club, which is another Texas course. He went to the University of Texas. He grew up in Texas. He was runner-up at this event last year. He was runner-up last week at the PGA. He's finished no worse than 12th in any PGA Tour event since October. And like, I just, I am fine deploying him in any format. If you want to bet him outright to win, I think that he is at least as likely to win as his odds imply. Um, if you're doing any kind of drafts on underdog DraftKings or whatever, he's number one on the draft board. Um, and then if you are looking to play him in DFS, I got no problem with it. I just hope that his ownership isn't too high. I think that it probably is going to get pretty high, but like it's for good reason. He is the best golfer in the field. He's coming off of a runner-up finish. He's been runner-up here. He's from Texas. Everything lines up for Scotty Scheffler this week, especially when you consider that floor of not finishing worse than 12th in an event since last October. For context, my wife is currently pregnant. She's about to enter her third trimester. She was not pregnant the last time Scotty Scheffler finished outside the top 12. Yeah, it feels like forever ago for me personally. And I'm sure it does for you too. October was a while ago. So Scotty Scheffler, no problem with him in any format this week. All right, now Tony Finau is second on the board on DraftKings. Coming off of a made cut, but kind of a disappointing limp to the finish in the PGA. Just was not good over the weekend at all. But I think he fits this course very well. He has some wins at some shorter golf courses like Liberty National, like Detroit Golf Club. He has a win in Texas at the Houston Open. And also when you look at his last 36 rounds, he is one of the best approach players in the field. He is fourth in this field in strokes gained approach. And he also has deceptively good course history here. It's not something that I noticed until I looked it up, but he has two top five finishes here at Colonial. He's never ever finished outside of the top 35. He is very clearly to me the second golfer that you want to target this week. In DFS, I think you're going to see Finau see not a lot of ownership because I think a lot of people are just going to click up to Scotty or go with a more balanced build. And so I think Finau might be the leverage play this week in DFS formats. 
Victor Hovland is coming off of what some would consider disappointing runner-up finish at the PGA. He actually now has had a really good run of recent form, though. He's had 10, or I'm sorry, he's had four top 10 finishes. That's the better way to say that. Four top 10 finishes in his last six starts. And the other two events were the RBC Heritage, where he was first round leader and just hemorrhaged strokes on the green. And the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow, where he also hemorrhaged strokes around and on the green. So I really think that this course doesn't shape up poorly for Victor. Like we know the weakness with him is his chipping and his putting. And so a course like this where, you know, get him in range for his short irons, let him hit a lot of the greens and let him, you know, kind of mitigate those chipping and putting woes. I think that actually sets up pretty well for him. And it kind of checks out with what he's done in his career here. He has a 21st and a 22nd in two appearances at this event. So I really would not mind going to play Victor Hovland this week. I would probably personally in DFS rather pay up for Finau than pay down for Hovland, though. Just just my personal opinion. Now, Kyle Morikawa is next up, and like I said, I think this course sets up perfectly for him. He's coming off of a T26 at the PGA, which was just kind of, eh, like he just, you know, he made the cut, he took care of business over the weekend, T26, cool. Um, and his three trips here have been pretty solid, though. He was runner-up in 2020, 14th, and then 40th last year. Um, I, like I said, I think this is the perfect setup for him. If he's able to show up and have a decent week with the putter, he probably will win this golf tournament. And it's been a while since he's won a golf tournament. So if you're one of those, you know, I know this is a fallacy. I, I, I teach high school math. I teach that this is a logical um you know, a logical fallacy, the gambler's fallacy to think that he's due for a win. But I mean, it kind of does set up perfectly for him this week. And it has been a while since he's won a golf tournament. Max Homa is not really the guy I want in this range in DFS formats or in drafts or outright betting, in, in my opinion. He does not have as good a recent form or course history as all the guys around him. In his three trips here to Colonial, he's had a 23rd, 27th, and a missed cut. Now, if your argument is, but he's a different golfer at this stage of his career than he's ever been, that's accurate. I, I totally agree with that. But I, I just don't think this is a max course. I, I like Max at courses in California, Poa Greens, where, you know, it's kind of a little bit wider fairways, a little bit softer courses as well. And I kind of just don't think this is the best spot for him. So it's probably going to be a pass on Max Homa this week for me. Now, this guy that I'm about to talk about is probably second in pricing on FanDuel. FanDuel knew what they were doing this week in terms of pricing because I think DraftKings has him a little underpriced, and that is Jordan Spieth. He is the undisputed king of Colonial Country Club. When you talk about guys at certain courses, like course horses on the PGA Tour, you got Rahm and Cantlay at the Memorial, right? Which, remember that for next week. Don't, don't let me forget about that. You got Rory at Quail Hollow. You got Tiger at Bay Hill. You got Scotty Scheffler at TPC Scottsdale. You got Jordan Spieth at Colonial Country Club. He's had seven top 10 finishes in his eight trips here since 2015. Uh, and he has a win and a runner-up as a part of those top 10 finishes. He also had a decent weekend over the weekend at the PGA to finish T29 after just kind of limping to a made cut. Um, I kind of think that, you know, I know he was injured at the start of the week. You know, he withdrew from the Byron Nelson. I don't think he would have finished the PGA Championship if he wasn't fine, and he loves this course. He grew up in the area. Just, I think it's an absolute smash spot for Jordan Spieth. I think in terms of lineup construction, I think you can be aggressive with your builds this week and go with a Scheffler Spieth build. Just know that both of them are going to individually be popular if you do that, because what I think is going to happen is a lot of people are either going to click Scheffler 
and then try to squeeze in Spieth as the second guy, or they're going to start their build with Spieth and then go down to the next little level um, after him. And that next little level after him includes Sam Burns, who is only the defending champ of this event. Now, his recent form is not great. He's coming off of two straight missed cuts, but he's also kind of a guy that, like, I don't know, I'm kind of willing to forgive the form. Like, he, his form really, like, comes and goes like he doesn't really sustain it for a long period of time so I'm kind of willing to play him off a of bad form he's a guy who won the match play event with poor recent form at Austin Country Club of course that I said was similar to this one and he's a guy that he also has two wins at Copperhead you know another course is similar to this one he plays well at the courses he plays well at and I think Colonial Country Club is one of those courses so I have no problem with Sam Burns this week I really think that a Spieth Burns build in DraftKings is going to be very popular this week now I do think that there is a fall off after Sam Burns I think in terms of the win equity of this event it kind of stops right there at Sam Burns for me I really think that Everybody after Burns is kind of a long shot, in my opinion. Um, I think that a lot of people in DraftKings are going to make sure that they play two guys above that Burns falloff. So I think that the range from Sung JM all the way down to Ricky Fowler is going to be fairly low owned. Now, in that range, there are two guys that I like. The first is Justin Rose. He's coming off of five straight top 36 finishes, just been a modicum of consistency on the PGA Tour this year. Two of those five events are elevated events, and two of them were top 10s at those elevated events. So, like, he's been pretty good lately. He's also a really good putter on bent grass. He's fourth in the field in stroke skin putting on bent grass greens. Oh, and did I mention he has a win at Colonial Country Club? Yeah, I think everything lines up well for Justin Rose this week. In that next little tier, he's kind of the guy that I want to target. I also like Tommy Fleetwood a lot at this type of course. This season, he was third at Copperhead, 15th at Harbortown. He has six straight top 33 finishes. I think everything sets up well for Fleetwood this week. I mean, we've kind of been on, like, for about six years now, everybody's been thinking that Tommy Fleetwood is going to eventually win a PGA Tour event. And, I mean, why not this week, right? Week after a major, course sets up well for him. Field is not super-duper strong. Like, I kind of think that there's a little bit of value to be had in a Tommy Fleetwood outright bet. I, I really do like him in DFS and drafting formats. I like him and Rose ahead of the likes of Sung JM, in my personal opinion. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. So let's take a quick break and let's talk about some value plays that you can find. So looking down the board, the 8K range on DraftKings has a lot of guys who should fit the course well. Talking about guys who are not super long off the tee, are accurate, are good with their irons, tend to play shorter course as well. There's a lot of those type of guys in the 8K range on DraftKings. Russell Henley, Denny McCarthy, Tom Hoagie, Brian Harmon. However, the course history there is quite the spectrum. Tom Hoagie has terrible history here, which is surprising for a guy who graduated from TCU right down the road. Uh, and then Brian Harmon's history here is great, but he has no recent form to speak of. So out of that range, I really like Denny McCarthy the best. He's got five straight top 30 finishes. We've mentioned numerous times on this podcast before how he is an elite putter. Uh, and at events where there's smaller greens and he can give himself makeable looks, 
he's going to do well and he plays well at short courses. Um, you know, Pebble Beach, Bermuda, there's all kinds of short courses where he's played well. Really like Danny McCarthy this week in the 8K range. There's also in the 8K range some longer hitters who have a much wider range of outcomes, but we've seen in the past two years the likes of Burns, Scheffler, Kokrak win this event, going a little more driver heavy off the tee. Not necessarily like mad bombers like a Bryson DeChambeau or a Cameron Champ with their driver, but guys who are a little more aggressive in their course management and are good with the driver are having success at this event. And so the AK range has a few guys who could bring that into play. They are Minwoo Lee, Steven Yeager, and Taylor Moore. But my favorite of those is Cam Davis, who's coming off of a fourth place finish at the PGA last week. He's also seventh at Harbortown this year, sixth at the Players' Championship this year. He's a long hitter who excels at short courses. Oh, and he was also seventh here last year. Yeah, Cam Davis. I think everything is lining up for him. He is my absolute preferred play in the 8K range this week. Now, the 7K range, again, going to kind of do this by section again. There's some course fits, such as Brendan Todd, Emiliano Grillo, Maverick McNeely, Adam Svensson, JT Poston, Andrew Putnam. All guys shorter off the tee, accurate, good with the putter. Well, except Grillo. Grillo's terrible with the putter, but you get what I'm saying. These are guys who are not super long off the tee, who are accurate, and who can find themselves, if they're good with their irons and find a hot week with the putter, can find themselves in the winner's circle. No problem with any of them. But my favorites in this 7K range are not on that list. One of them is Alex Smalley, who was 27th here last year. He was 23rd last week at the PGA and 18th at Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow. And he was fourth in the state of Texas at the Houston Open last year. He excelled in the summer and early fall last year at shorter bent grass courses. And that's what we're heading to this week with Colonial. And I just really think that Smalley's game is kind of rounding back into that form that we saw him in last summer and fall, where if you've been us here on the podcast to the start, like we were playing Smalley a lot in those late summer, early fall events. And so I really think he's getting back to that form. Really like Alex Smalley this week. Another guy that I like is Hayden Buckley, who's come off of a 26th place finish at the PGA Championship. Uh, he sets up really well on the comp courses as well. He was fifth at Harbortown and was runner up at Wildlife earlier this year. He's just an elite driver of the golf ball, not because he's long off the tee, which he is, but he's really accurate with the driver. And he's really aggressive in his course management, kind of like a Cam Davis, where he's swinging driver into these dog legs and he's making it work because he is that good with it. That is how he had the path to success at Harbortown and at Wileye. And I really think he can keep it up here again this week. He's probably my favorite long shot bet this week is Hayden Buckley. Now, Eric Cole is another guy that I like this week. Um, he slept on the lead Thursday night at the PGA Championship. And look, I'm not going to lie. That's a lot to ask of a guy where you're 14 holes through your round, I think it was, and you have to play the toughest stretch of the course at like 6.30 in the morning with the lead where you had to sleep on the lead in a major championship and you're like 25 years old. So just a really tough situation for Eric Cole Thursday at the PGA. And so he naturally he coughed that lead up early Friday morning, right? Like no surprise at all. But he still played very well over the weekend at the PGA, finished T15. And I kind of really like that. Like that T15 at the PGA, that like that's no slouch. Like that's no fluke. Like that's really solid, and Eric Cole's had a really solid run of golf this this year, uh, and he just finished 23rd at the Byron Nelson on the other side of Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, so I just really like what Eric Cole's doing. Um, he is above average with the putter, which gives me another guy kind of like Denny McCarthy, that if he hits these greens, he's going to give himself looks to make birdies because he does have the ability with the putter to make those birdies. 
Nick Taylor is another one in the 7K range who is a short course horse. Listen to these results. 41st at Harbortown, 10th at Valspar, runner-up at Phoenix, 20th at Pebble Beach, 7th at Wildlife. All shorter courses. Nick Taylor plays well at him. I think he's, quite frankly, a misprice on DraftKings, uh, and I absolutely have no problem deploying him in DFS formats. Now, lastly in the 7K range, there's another guy who tends to pop up at short courses, and that is Matthew Neesmith. He also has three straight top 35 finishes. Another guy that is good at short courses, and he's really good with his short irons and middle irons and wedges. That's kind of the strength of his game is his approach game, and he has flashed that in his three straight top 35 finishes. So I really do like Matthew Neesmith this week. Now, there are a few Texans that we got to mention. So on the PGA Tour, Texans tend to play well in Texas, right? Like that shouldn't shock anybody. And so there's a few Texans that are in the field this week that I would have no problem playing. They're coming in at varying levels of recent form, varying levels of course fit, but they're Texans in the state of Texas and they worth, they're worth mentioning, right? That's Bo Hostler, Ryan Palmer, Jimmy Walker, Patton Kazire. Sam Stevens is kind of like another odd one. I believe he is from the Fort Worth area. I'm not 100% certain at that, but I do know he played his collegiate golf at Oklahoma State, and I do know that he has made the cut at every Texas event so far this season, dating back to last fall. So Sam Stevens may be an honorary Texan. I don't know. He might be an actual Texan. I don't know, but he's made the cut at every Texas event so far this season. Now, let's go ahead and dip down to the 6K range. So we've got to talk about Michael Block, right, coming off of his Cinderella performance at the PGA Championship, right? Like that was fairly Dickinson making it to the Final Four, even though they didn't make it to the Final Four. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like his performance was utterly incredible. Do I think he can repeat it? Honestly, probably not. He has played in PGA Tour events before, and they haven't really gone well. And so I think that he is a for-the-vibes-only play, kind of like how I describe playing Tiger Woods at the Genesis Invitational or at the Masters. If you want to play somebody in your DraftKings lineup that you want to have fun rooting for, by all means, go for it. But I just think he's really overpriced on DraftKings at $6,900. FanDuel, he was a little more reasonable. But I just think that he's a little overpriced. I think there's guys priced around him that – have a lot more win equity, have a lot more made cut equity than him. Um, And if he was minimum priced, like, yeah, like absolutely roll the dice on the guy who's coming off of a T15 at a major. But I think the guy's going to have a busy week because he's going to be, you know, asked to do all kinds of interviews, all kinds of media coverage on him all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, And it's going to be a tough ass to go show up back Thursday at a fairly difficult golf course against a PGA Tour quality field again and do it again. And so if he was min-priced, I'd be all on board on playing him. But with where he's at, hey, it's a for-the-vibes only play. If you want to do something with your DraftKings lineup that's going to make you happy and have fun, go for it. But I'm not endorsing him as a a smart play at $6,900 on DraftKings. Because he's also the same price as the next guy I'm going to talk about, which is Nate Lashley, who's coming off of four straight top 40 finishes, known great short iron and wedge player, excels at short courses. He's a winner on the PGA Tour at Detroit Golf Club, and he is the same price as Michael Block. I would rather have Nate Lashley. That's just me. Now, another guy in this price range is Chez Reeby, who this is a great course fit for him. He's short off the tee, great putter. 
solid spot for him, right? And he just came off of a 40th place finish at the PGA Championship. Now, Ben Martin is another guy in this range who has been playing some great golf, but let a lot of people down with an ugly missed cut at the Wells Fargo Championship. However, I don't think that was a great course fit for him. When you look at the courses that he was playing well at, they were much better performances for Ben Martin when he was at shorter courses, so it might be time to go back to him. Dylan Wu was kind of of the same mold, except his missed cut was at the Byron Nelson. I like Dylan Wu this week as well. Ben Martin and Dylan Wu were kind of the bounce back candidates down here in this range. I think they could be priced much higher and I would still be willing to play them. Austin Eckro is coming off of a runner-up at the Byron Nelson, and then Marty Doe is coming off of a fifth-place finish in that event. Marty Doe also from the DFW area, so you know if you're willing to lean into the whole Dallas-Fort Worth narrative, like you got Austin Eckro, you got Marty Doe, no problem going with either of those guys. And then you got Callum Tarrin almost near the bottom of the board on DraftKings, who just pieced together three good rounds at the PGA Championship, one terrible Saturday, though, and came in 29th place, to me, he's worth a roll of the dice at his price tag. I think that, you know, if him and Michael Block swapped prices, you you probably, I probably would have not like batted an eye if Calum Tarn was the $6,900 one and Michael Block was the $6,200 one. Now, my two favorite plays in the 6K range, though, and then we're going to talk some one and done. My two favorite plays in the 6K range are Akshay Batia and Carson Young. Carson Young is only $6,300 on DraftKings. He just came in 14th place in Dallas at Byron Nelson. He was 19th at Harbortown, which is one of my comp courses. Just seems to keep having good finishes and seems to keep coming in at only $6,300 on DraftKings. I'm going to keep going back to him. And then there's Akshay Batia, who is just piling up the good finishes in his rookie year on the PGA Tour. He is long. He is accurate. He is aggressive off the tee with his driver. I just think he's a super talented golfer, right? Like he's eventually going to win on the PGA Tour and he's eventually going to, you know, keep piling up these good finishes like he has. And so I'm going to keep going back to him on DraftKings and I just, I think he's going to get the job done one of these days and I want to be on board when he does. And here's the kicker for this week though. If you were to look at the entire field in strokes gained on par fours from 400 to 450 yards, of which this place has eight of them, he is third in the field behind Scotty Scheffler and Tony Finau. And then there's Akshay Batia. Akshay Batia, my favorite play in the 6K range, probably going to be in a lot of my lineups this week. All right, so let's go ahead and let's take a quick breather now that we've seen the whole board, and then let's talk about some one and done. All right, so it is time to talk one and done strategy, which I'm on a little bit of a heater in one and dones. I had Brooks Kepka in both of my one and done entries last week. Um, I thought it was one of the most obvious plays in one and done history because here's a guy who you can only play him at the four majors. He only plays well at the four majors, and he was a runner-up in the last major. And I just thought he was a really obvious, really easy play for the PGA Championship. Turns out I was right. And a lot of America was right also because he was very highly owned. However, I am back in the money squarely in both of my one and dones. One of them, I've got Jason Day and Brooks Kepka off back-to-back winners, which I'm stoked about. And so let's see if we can get ourselves another one here this week. Now, the Charles Schwab Challenge, it's not an elevated event, but the purse is bigger than the other non-elevated events. So it's kind of like in this in-between an elevated and non-elevated event. It's kind of like a semi-elevated event, I guess you could say. But anyway, I don't think I want to burn Scotty Scheffler at a non-elevated event. As we talked about earlier, Scotty Scheffler's floor in any PGA Tour golf tournament right now is 12th. And so he's going to get a lot more money for 12th 
at a major or at an elevated event, then he's going to get you here at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So it's probably a pass on Scotty Scheffler for me this week. If you're looking down in that next little range of the board, I think that Finau and Morikawa both have their merits. Um, Finau with the great history, Morikawa with the great course fit. Um, I could definitely see myself wanting to use them at an elevated event or a major over the summer, though. You know, Finau has got two courses where he's going to be the defending champ over the summer. Morikawa has won at Muirfield Village. Um, he's from California. You got the U.S. Open and L.A. Country Club. Um, so if you don't plan on using those two guys at those spots, I could definitely see going with them this week. Um, but I think the popular, the logical, the sensible, the easy one-and-done play this week is Jordan Spieth. He is the king of Colonial Country Club. He has a win and a runner-up here. And there's nowhere on the rest of the schedule that just screams Jordan Spieth in terms of a course fit. And really, honestly, I don't even think he's necessarily, at this point, a guy that you have to play in an elevated event or a major. I think he's a guy you can play at an event like this, count on a good finish for, get the money in your bankroll, and move on. Like I said, I think he's going to be the popular play. So if you're front-running, um, then you can just play him. Know that nobody else is going to gain a whole lot of ground on you and feel pretty safe. If you're playing from behind, though, it is time to start being different with your one-and-done uh, lineup selection. You're going to have to start thinking a little bit outside the box and hoping to hit some winners. Um, and so, like I said, Finau Morikawa could probably be that. I don't anticipate they'll be super popular this week. Um, Sam Burns is another logical pick. There's nowhere else on the schedule that just screams Sam Burns as a course fit. Um, so I think that he could be a pretty logical pick, but the guys that you could play where it would be like set it with no regrets and still have a little bit of winning equity. Um, Justin Rose, I think will be pretty solid. I don't think you're going to want to use Justin Rose again this year. Tommy Fleetwood, same way. I used Fleetwood at Valspar, got a T3 out of him, was not disappointed. Um, and then also Denny McCarthy and Cam Davis, I think fit that mold as well. Um, I would not mind going back to either of those two guys also. So you know, just a few thoughts. I think Spieth is going to be the easy one-and-done pick. I think he's going to be my one-and-done pick this week, but I definitely think that you could go a little more aggressive with a Morikawa or a Finau. You could go a little more outside the box with a Rose, a Fleetwood, um, or a Cam Davis, or a Denny McCarthy. I, I think that's really kind of the whole gamut of options this week in one-and-done. All right, so that does it for the Charles Schwab Challenge 2023 preview, and we talked about the course. We talked about some of the best golfers for DFS and for bets. We talked about one-and-done strategy as well, and you got it all in 30 minutes or less, mission accomplished. So uh, as a reminder, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please hit subscribe. You'll be notified when new episodes drop, like tomorrow night when our preview for Live Washington, D.C., I believe is what they're calling it, um, the Live event for this week. And we're going to be previewing that tomorrow night here on the podcast. Um, and also, we'll be back next week for our preview of the Memorial Tournament. We'll also have some season-long fantasy football content coming your way as well. We already have one of them up. We have our rookie rankings, um, and we also have our top five best ball drafting strategies if you play best ball on DraftKings or Underdog or anywhere else. Speaking of Underdog, um, if you sign up for Underdog Fantasy, please use my code mconnolly 88 uh, if you need any help spelling that, check out my Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. The pinned tweet has everything you need to know about signing up for Underdog. Like I said, I had a great week on Underdog last week, and I fully recommend um, you signing up on there, giving it a shot um, if you're uncertain about it. All right, so that does it for everything this week, y'all. 
Um, hopefully, we gave you guys a lot of information here on this podcast that are going to help you pick some winners here this week at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Um, I look forward to watching this tournament this week. It's, you know, Colonial Country Club's a nice little venue, pretty good field. Memorial Day weekend, so it should be a lot of time to kick back, relax, and watch some golf. So hopefully, we're going to pick some winners. As always, best of luck to everybody this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.